What's up, principals, and welcome to the Principal Crew Podcast. My name is Adam Welcome. I'm a principal. I am your host, and this is the podcast that is all about principals all of the time because that is just what we do. So today on the show, this guest I know, uh, we've hung out in person in Texas, and how this episode came about was... On Twitter, I put out a very simple tweet that said, hey, I'm looking for some new guests for my principal podcast. Who do you recommend? Who is your favorite principal? And I thought I would get a few responses. I think to date, I have almost 500 responses. So first off, you know what? Kudos to all the principals out there. Educators are digging their principles. So thank you for the shout out. But this guest, I, I don't even know how many times she was tagged. So I was like, oh, I know her. Reached right out. Hey, people want to hear you on the podcast. So Meredith Akers, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor. I'm very excited to be here. Super excited. Y'all are in the middle of like the Texas freeze right now. Thankfully, you've said your power's back on. You can you can drink the water from the tap, but um, we all we, we're sending you we're sending you uh, good thoughts and love from California, you know, from all over this country. Just because I know people down there, there's a there's a lot going on. So um, hopefully, everything is a uh, is getting smoothed over by the time this uh, podcast comes out. But Meredith, for the people that don't know who you are, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Just kind of give us the lowdown. Absolutely. So I am Meredith Akers. I'm the principal at Rennell Elementary, which is in Cypress Fairbanks ISD. Um, that is actually a really big district. We have 110,000 students, 96 campuses. So it's a very large district with big campuses at Rennell. Um, it is a pre-K through fifth grade school with 1,100 students. So that's a big elementary. Um, and Let's see, before I was a principal, I was an assistant principal also in Cypher ISD for eight years. And uh, before that, I was an instructional specialist and I taught second grade. And I started my career actually as a music teacher, an elementary music teacher. Um, and I thought I would do that my whole life, but wonderful leaders in my life tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, we see leadership potential in you. You should really pursue leadership. So I'm very grateful to them because they saw in me something I didn't. So I'm always trying to be that same leader looking for how I can grow others and see that potential in others. Um, I also am very active in social media. I have a TikTok at Meredith Acres one and Instagram, same address, Twitter at Meredith Acres. I blog at MeredithAkers.com and usually it's a lot of free ed tech templates, things that maybe I heard my teachers discussing, discussing, I wish we had this. I try to make that forum and make it happen. Yeah, I love it. And I've, uh, I've been down to SciFair. I spoke to like half of the elementary schools at this really amazing event at this Baptist church. Shout yes. out to Jeff LeCoque who yep. organized that. Jeff, if you're listening, I want to come back. I want to come back and talk to everybody because that was an amazing event. But um, you've really come up through the ranks. I, I love it. Like music teacher, teacher, instructional coach, assistant principal, principal. People always ask me, how do I get that first leadership job? Like what, what advice do you have? What, you know, what's your path? What should I do? And if you're in a large district like SciFair, or if you're in a smaller district, what advice would you give to that, that, um, that teacher that is aspiring to be that leader and to get that first job? Cause I feel that's like the hardest one to get, like get your foot in the door. How do I do that? What do you advise people to do Meredith? 
my biggest advice is start leading now. You don't need a title to be a leader. And so start leading now, start thinking about, hey, what am I good at? How can I grow others? What's something I can do to give back to my school? I would say, go to your leaders and say, let them know that you're interested in a leadership position that you want to help lead and ask, what can I help you with? What could I take off your plate? What can I do to help our teachers grow? I will say, a I have given this advice before and some teachers have told me, yeah, but maybe my, my principal or my administrators at my campus, I've asked them and they haven't given me anything. And sometimes we just can't think of something off the top of our head of, of for someone else to lead. But I think if think, put yourself in that spot of if I was already the AP, if I was already the instructional coach, if I was already the principal, what would I want to do differently and try to do some of those things? Obviously you can't change how that person leads a meeting or how she sends the email or her tone, but you can offer that book study that you wish was being offered. You can, um, start, a Twitter group or a Twitter chat if you need to. So I would say lead now, like show your leadership potential, show that you are invaluable and think of ways that you can help and assist and grow people at your school. Yeah. And um, you said something that I want to touch on. I've been on the other side of the table when people are interviewing for assistant principal jobs or principal jobs. And I feel one of the biggest mistakes is they don't talk or think like they're already in the job. They're still thinking as a teacher in like, like in their classroom. And for the aspiring leaders that are listening to this, I, I know it's hard, but really try to step out, step up and really wrap your arms around the entire school and what it looks like to not just lead your classroom or a program, but to lead the entire school and ask your principal questions. How did you do this? Why did you do it like that? What were the steps? Did the district office tell you to do this? Whatever it might be, those are really, really, really important things. And yeah, start leading right now. You don't need a certain title to, to go, go do things. Start, start something. And it's going to evolve into something else, which down the road can, uh, can definitely evolve into, into opportunities. So Meredith, are you a hard worker or are you a workaholic? Oh, I want to say both um, because if I'm honest, I do think I'm a really hard worker. And I think I'm pretty confident that my teachers would say, oh man, Meredith's a really hard worker. I know my administrative team that works right alongside me, they see me being a hard worker. But then I will say, even when I leave my schoolwork behind and I come home, I'm always working on something. Um, my husband kind of teases me because I have my blog. That's what I do for fun is write a blog and make some templates or make a TikTok. And so I think when I'm sitting still and relaxing, I feel like bored almost. And so I am a little bit of a workaholic, I'll admit it, because but it's not always necessarily work for my job that pays. Sometimes it's just like, I wanna keep, ooh, what else can I accomplish? Let me, let me add something to my blog. Um, and that's just maybe my personality type. Um, it's hard for me to, to stop and to, and to turn off. My husband teases me that we have to go away for me to, to like leave home so that I won't keep working. And that's been hard with COVID. So um, I just, I enjoy making templates, sharing with my blog, presenting, you know, being a consultant. I really enjoy doing those things. And so I sometimes fill up all my free time with work type <laughs> items. 
Yeah, I'm with you. And I would think my wife would probably say the same thing. You know, I've actually thought about um, interviewing the spouses of my guests. Like, what is it like to be married to a principal? Uh, I haven't started that feature of the podcast yet, but I'm thinking about it. But I'm with you. It does. You know, it's a balance. It's a balance of making sure that your family and your kids and your spouse and your life and your house and your yard and your neighbors and everything else is taken care of. But then also, also having that outlet, I, I do think it's, and I don't even know, I don't know if balance is even the right word, but I think it's, uh, it's something that it's constantly the reprioritization of what's most important. And I know like in my writing or blogging or whatever, connecting, if I'm busy in other places, then I, I just put it back on the back burner and I'll wait a day or a week or a month. And I think just having that priority, I think that's, that's beneficial. You've talked about your blog um, a little bit, go deeper. How did that start? Why, why are you doing it? I started blogging quick story 15 years ago. I sold my car. I was a teacher. My blog was called Cycling Teacher Guy. I wanted to go a year without a car. I lasted six months, but that was my foray into blogging. No, and then it led to writing and writing and yeah. deserve it. So what's the origin story for Meredith Akers blog? Why do you do it still? What are some connections and what growth and learning have you gotten from it? You know, I really started it for a couple of reasons. A couple of I wasn't a principal yet. I was an assistant principal when I started and a couple of people had asked me on multiple occasions to share different things I had made or share, how did you do? What was that event you had with your staff? Will you share more about that? And so I thought, you know, this could be a way that I could share and then I wouldn't have to retype this up again. I could say, here's the link, it's all right here. So out of um, wanting to to share more smartly and, and, and be able to reach more people, but also here is the link so I don't have to retype the same information to save myself some time. But then also as a reflection tool, I cannot remember who I heard speak about it, but I know I went to a conference where um, his name is just escaping me, um, but he spoke about, you know, really good teachers reflect on their teaching. And even though I wasn't a teacher at the time, I was an assistant principal, I thought, really good assistant principal needs to reflect on her leadership. And so I thought, I need to be reflecting. And so a lot of my early blog posts are really more reflections on leadership, reflections on mistakes I made or successes. Like here's something that went well. If I did it again, this is what I would change. It's kind of morphed and I share more ed tech tools and templates um, now, but I do also share what worked and what didn't. I'll go back and edit them and I'll be reflective and share, hey, when we actually use this in a classroom, this part didn't work. So here's an updated version. Um, but that's kind of the origin story was I wanted to share things and, and, put it out there because I think great teachers are willing to share um, because it makes us all better. If it's really about the kids, I want, I want to grow all the kids, not just my kids, you know? Um, and I want to help all the teachers, not just my teachers. And so that's a way I can do it is just put out there, Hey, this is what worked at my campus. Anybody that's wants to read about it, you can benefit from it. Or you can say, no, thanks. That won't work on my campus, but I also want to be reflective. And so it gives me that moment to think and reflect. And I've made it kind of a weekly ritual that on Sunday afternoons, I sit and take the time to, to blog and to think about what's something I want to talk about or share or put out into the world. I love it. You know, I totally agree. We have something else in common. I was an assistant principal of a K-5 school. We had 1,200 students. So very similar to yours. Yeah. And it's also a way though, too, to provide professional development for your teachers. 
if you're in a small school or a really large school, the school I'm at now has 250 kids, but still like people can learn whenever they want from that digital resource and they can ask you follow-up questions. It's really, it really just kind of, you know, it, it builds on itself. I want to know when is the Meredith Acres podcast going to start? Cause I think that is what's next for you. Wow. Well, I haven't thought about that. So I'll have to, I need to think about that and what it would be about, what we would cover. Thanks right. for that I'm encouragement. Gonna, I appreciate it. I'm going to coach you up and we're going to get you a podcast started. I want to know if you could have a job for one day, what would it be and why? In one year, what would it be and why? If I could have a job for one day, I think I would be like a famous pop singer. Hmm. Cause I do like to sing. I sing at my church, lead worship with my husband um, and kind of friends in high school and in college were like, you should go try out for American Idol when that was really big. That's when I was in, in college. And I realized that's not the life I want because I want a husband and a family and I don't want to be on the road all the time. But for one day, that would be really fun to just like belt it out and have the cheering audience. That could be, ah. that could be a pretty fun day. So I, I would all do right. that for a day for a year. I'm thinking hard about this one because I'm I could go a couple directions. I'm thinking I might want to say, hey, I'll be the education secretary for the country and just make some changes, make some changes that I think are important. Try to affect some change, you know, like our teachers are working so hard. And the expectation for our teachers is to work beyond their hours every single day, but yet they're not paid for those hours really. And so I feel like we need to make some changes so that teachers have more prep time during the day to actually get their grading done and call parents. And I'd love to change that, try to affect some change so that our profession is more respected. And because I, I think that there is that expectation for teachers to be available at night, to grade papers at night, that's the expectation. And that's not the expectation for other professions. And so I just, I'd love to change that narrative. And if I could do that over the course of a year, I would love to have that opportunity. Yeah, I'm so with you about that should not be the expectation. It should not be the expectation that teachers buy supplies for their classrooms right. and, you know, grade papers at night. I remember my first year as a principal, I would see teachers leaving. And I'm like, why are you bringing that home? Like, what, what are you doing? And it, they're like, well, I have papers to grade. And I was like, we need to have more conversations here about the work that you're doing, what you're assessing. Yes, grading and assessment is important, but that shouldn't be the norm. And I don't care if you teach kindergarten or a high school English class and you've got 120 papers to write and that's all you do on the weekend. It's just not okay. Meredith, you have my vote. If the president calls you and you need a <laughs> reference check, tell them to call Adam and I will give the reference check. All right. Uh, what is your, what's your favorite leadership book that you've read that has really just changed your life or the leadership book that you've read that you recommend to other leaders to read? You know, one that fits the bill for both of those. When I was an assistant principal early on in my assistant principal career, I think it was recommended to me to read the book, The Power of Full Engagement. It is by, Jim, I have it in front of me, Jim Lore and Tony Schwartz the power of full engagement. And it's, it's about, you said the word balance earlier. And then you were like, I don't know if it's really balanced because it's, impo it's impossible to balance. There's times when we have to give more to school and there's times when we have to give more to our kids. You know, if my kid's sick, 
I am not going to school. I'm going to focus on being a mom and take care of my kid. And something the book talks about, it's, it's not about managing your time. It's not about trying to find balance. It's about managing your energy so that you are fully engaged with being a mom when you're being a mom, or you, Adam, are fully engaged with being a dad when it's time to be a great dad. But then you're fully engaged with work when it's time to really focus on work. Because sometimes when we're trying to do two things at once, we don't do either well. We do both at a lower level than if we were just fully engaged in one thing at a time. And so I will say that it's the most challenging book that I ever read. I probably need to go back and revisit it because it's been years, but I've recommended it to many people because it made me think about not just my leadership, but it talks about as a leader, and you may disagree with this, I don't know, but in the book, it talks about as a leader, your the people that look up to you, look up to every part of you, whether you like it or not. So they look at how, what kind of a parent is she? What kind of a spiritual life does she have? What does she do with her free time? How does she treat people? It's not just how do I lead at Rennell Elementary? It's people look at your whole life. And so it's just saying, how do you be the best leader you can be in all aspects of your life so that you're being a good influence in all directions, in all ways that you can. Um, and so it really made me look at lots of parts of my life and go, I want to, if somebody looks at me, even though I'm their principal, but they're looking at me and my parenting or my spiritual life or anything else, I want to be the best example and the best leader I can be. So it took me forever to read it because I kept stopping at different chapters going, I got to stop. I got to reflect. Oh my gosh, I got to make some changes before I move on to the next chapter. And so I've recommended it to many leaders, the power of full engagement. I love it. I would rather do less, but do it with fidelity than do more but do it with mediocrity. And I think that goes for personal lives, professional lives at your school, in your classroom, in your district. I, I just see so many people trying to do so many things and they're not doing any of it well. And uh, you know, pick one or two or three, don't pick 30, don't pick, don't have 17 strategic goals. You're just never gonna, you're never gonna get through them. Earlier, you talked about the wonderful leaders in your life and the ones that tapped you on the shoulder. And I, I interpret that as having mentors and having people in your life. Talk about mentors. I, I, I don't, I know people, I think people know how important mentors are. I don't think people act on the importance of having mentors in your life. So what's your experience going deeper? What recommendations would you have to people to say, go find a mentor? And if people would say, well, Meredith, how do I find my mentor? Answer that question too. Okay, so I would, I would completely agree with you. And if we go back to, I think the first question you asked me was what advice would you give to someone who's aspiring to be a leader? I would tell them, get a mentor because you need someone that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can ask questions. Um, I was so blessed that I was at schools with leaders who were awesome and that I could go to them and say, here's my question. Or I, I went to my, my very first principal as a teacher and said, you know, I'd love to lead more. And so she's like, great, here's some opportunities. I'd love for you to lead a staff development here. I'd love, I was like, awesome, thank you so much. And then she's the one who told me, you should get your master's degree. And then she just started giving me more and more leadership opportunities. At that same school, one of the assistant principals, if I was feeling a little nervous about talking to the principal, I felt like I could go to her and say, hey, what should I do for this? You know, she asked me to do this. How, how do you think the best way I could do that? And she is still in my life. She is now a principal. Um, and 
I still go to her for advice. I went to her for advice when I was interviewing to become an assistant principal. Like, what should I say? Help me think through these questions. What kinds of questions will they ask me? I mean, she did a mock interview for me. She's fantastic. Um, and so I think if you have people already in your life, just ask, ask to go to coffee and think of some questions that you want to ask. Think of, ask them, what else can I be doing to grow myself as a leader? You know, what, what kinds of questions will I be asked in an interview? What will they want me to have done? Like, what should I have on my resume? That's not on my resume yet. Um, and just talk through problems, talk through solutions. And if you don't have one, that's the big question. And maybe there's not someone at your school. If you don't feel like, you know what, there's not an administrator at my school that I think fits the bill for me. Our personalities don't align. It's not the right fit for a mentor. Get connected online somehow, like see who, who do you admire online? I will tell you on TikTok the other day, someone reached out to me and said, I'm trying to get a job, blah, blah, blah. I said, I'd be happy to chat with you. We set up a Zoom. We had a meeting. I talked her through the types of questions I would ask, um, what I was asked when I was becoming an AP. Um, and we just chatted through it. And so I would say, reach out to someone that you admire, that you think, even if you think they won't say yes, there is no harm in asking. The worst they'll say is, no, I don't have time but keep asking. So just ask people you admire. I remember one of my education heroes is Todd Whitaker. He's written many education books. And um, I've reached out to him on numerous occasions on Twitter for advice. And he has always written me back and said, here's my advice. I've reached out to you, Adam, on Voxer and you've responded to me and shared a response. So I think you'd be surprised how open and welcoming other educators are. So if you're looking for a mentor, just ask someone you admire, you might be surprised. You know, I feel that finding and looking for a mentor is, has so many correlations to dating. You just, you just got to ask. No, I mean, if you're in, yeah. if you're in college or you're in a group or a church group or whatever it might be, if you're in a bar with some friends, you know, and you see someone that you want to talk to, just go up and talk to them. And right. obviously it's different. And I think it's actually easier for educators because you're not looking for that romantic part of the relationship. You're looking for the professional part right. of the relationship. So I think it actually, is a lot easier. You're, you're not coming at it with, you know, the emotions of dating, you're coming at like, hey, can I learn from you? Can we learn together? Can I ask you questions? And I think that example from TikTok is, is something that's happened to me so many times where I've been the receiver of the asker. And then I've been the asker uh, of asking someone questions. And then it turns into a relationship and a friendship um, professionally. And now like I send those people Christmas cards every year. And, um, you know, you, you just don't know until you ask. It is a uh, it's so important. And I would say too, don't just narrow it to mentor. I have mentors where I have multiple. And I, I think you were alluding to that, like different people that you talk to, but you have a mentor for this area of your professional life and a mentor for this area. Just don't, don't paint yourself into a corner where you think you can only or only need that one mentor. So, um, so you've come up through the ranks and you're leading a very large school. What would be your best advice for new leaders? So it's their, it's their first year. They're taking over next year as principal. What, what's your best advice? Like what are the top three, top five, whatever it is, I don't care. Okay. Just give me your best advice. I, I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind and I, the first thing I did, you have to put relationships first. You have to put relationships first because no one's gonna trust you or wanna work for you if you come in and just, this is the rules and this is how it's going to be. So put relationships first. Here's a practical way to do that. I set up 
times and, and I wanted it to be, um, at anybody's comfort level. So I had a, Hey, we're going to have an all staff social at this event. You can talk to me there and get to know me. I'm going to have um, a luncheon for each team on these different days. So if they just felt comfortable, like in a small group with their team. And then if you want to set up a private one-on-one just to get to know me this summer before the school, this was like before my, my tenure started, here's times, here's a sign up sheet that you can just meet with me and we can chat. I have no agenda. It would be just us getting to know each other. And so doing that ahead of time, half the staff signed up for, I want a one-on-one with you. Everybody came to the team ones and pretty much everyone came to the whole staff, little ice cream social. And so that was just me saying, I'm available. I want to get to know you. Um, Ask people when you're building those relationships, what's important at this school? Ask all about the school. What's important to you in your leader? what's, um, What's something that you for sure is a tradition that you would never want change. What should I know about your school that, that you think I probably don't know just from reading all the data? You know, ask, do that fact finding so that they see that you care and you care about their opinion. Ask them what they're grayed out. What would they be comfortable leading? I'm, all, I, I'm always asking teachers those kinds of questions. So I would say number one, relationships. Put those first with your staff, with your students, with your parents, like make appointments with your PTO if you have a PTO or PTA. Build those relationships before day one. Um, and then the next thing I would say is model, model what you want to see. If you're going to step in and, you know, you're thinking of your expectations and what you want to see, then you need to live that. Nobody wants to work for someone who says you should be greeting kids at the door, but they're in their office when the kids are arriving. That's not appropriate. So if that's an expectation that they're greeting kids at the door, then you're greeting kids at the door. And not only are you greeting kids at the door, you're greeting the teachers as they arrive because you're modeling for them what you wanna see them doing for students. So I think that's really important. Um, And I think that you've gotta think about that really broad. Um, I want positive teachers. So I try to be really positive. Um, I want problem solvers. So I try to help problem solve, you know, all those different aspects of what I'm looking for in a teacher. I wanna model that for my staff. Um, and then I'm going to go for a number three and we haven't talked about this. So I want to make sure we don't end this podcast without talking about it. You've got to focus on your culture and growing your culture. Like, what do we want this school to be? Um, and something that was very fruitful and successful for me as a leader. One of the first things I did at our first staff meeting was I talked about how culture is all of us all of us together. And so let's decide together what we want our culture to be like. And so we had discussions, we had small groups, we had post-it notes, we did all kinds of activities. We decided on some agreements and then we all signed it. And ever since then, every time we add a new staff member, we talk to that staff member about it. We revisit our school um, culture agreements and we all sign it. And we have kind of reflection times at least once a year where we talk about what's one thing we're doing really well on our culture that we want. You know, we said we want to be risk takers. How are we doing with that? And we'll we'll all kind of like have a self-reflection moment and who can give a shout out to someone who's doing a really good job with being a risk taker. So I think focus on what's the culture that you want to have and make sure everybody knows we're all a part of making this a reality. If this is what we want, it takes all of us working together. Um, I find that when you focus on your culture and you ask questions and you get feedback and you reflect on your culture, that's when you're really going to grow it. You can't just say, we're going to have a positive culture and then never talk about it again. You have to talk about it and feed it and take the feedback, even if it stinks. If I think I'm doing a really awesome job with positive reinforcement and then my teachers, I hear from one or two, I just feel like I haven't gotten much positive reinforcement. I can't blow that off. I have to go, okay. I feel like I'm doing it, but they're not. So I've got to do more because if they're not feeling it, then they need more. Yeah. You can only take your organization so far 
if you don't focus on culture. If you're new, a new leader in any organization, you can go to a certain point. But if you're not focusing on culture, if you're not talking about it, if you're not investing in it, and I would add too, invest in your parent culture. Because yes, your teacher culture and your school culture is so important. But I've seen a lot of principals invest in their community. I'm a believer in really investing in that community, really bringing them in, in different ways, communicating video, voice, in person, whatever it might be. 100% agree. Absolutely. I send a weekly video of this is Mrs. Aker's top three to my parents. And it's short. It's usually three minutes or less, but just, if you're not going to read my newsletter, Hey, watch this video. And the previous, um, principal didn't send much communication. And so that was, they feel like they know me. They've told me that, like, we know we don't come to the school every day, but we, we hear from you every week and see your face and hear your energy and, um, makes a huge different difference when you make a point to reach out to your families. I totally agree, Adam. Yeah. And if you're not doing, if you think you could be doing more in any of those areas, don't try to do five new things this week. Pick one and do that one thing for two weeks. And if it's going well and you're getting feedback, you don't need to do a survey. You can do a survey, but you don't need to do a survey. See what people are thinking. And then if you can think you can add on one more layer, add on another layer, maybe bring some students in to help build that culture because then they're going to build the culture and then other families are going to talk and people talk and and you know what? It's fun. And then I would say to leaders, when you do that, especially with your community and you have a parent that maybe is upset or doesn't understand something, in my experience, when they know you, like you said, Meredith, they're going to come and approach you and the situation in such a different way because they know you and they know that you're a human and they know that you care because you're building culture. If they don't know who you are, they only know your name. They've never seen your face. They've never heard you. They don't see you at functions or whatever it might be. It's going to be a different scenario for you potentially. And that culture piece is so important. Todd Whitaker, if you're listening, you would be proud because I've read many of your books too, and culture is so important. Narrative part of this podcast is amplifying the voices of my guests. We've already had a very deep and rich conversation. What else would you like to say to the listeners of this podcast? I'm going to pass the microphone over to you. I would say focus always on how can you grow others? That should be our focus as educators, all educators. It's about how can we grow others? Yes, how can you grow your students? But how can you grow your teachers um, even when you're going into difficult conversations? I mean, as a principal, as an assistant principal, part of our job is keeping people accountable. But those tough conversations, that other person can leave thinking, I hate her. She's mean. And she just made me feel bad about myself. Or that same conversation can leave them, even if you're saying, hey, I think you can do I, I see more potential in you. I know that you can do better. In fact, here's some ways. Here's how I'm going to empower you and inspire you. That conversation leaves people going, ah, oh, I feel so supported. I feel so empowered and inspired. And so I just want to encourage all the leaders out there to think about how are you growing? How are you inspiring others? Um, even in those tough conversations, how are you being a life-giving leader that they leave going, yes, I want to be better because of that conversation, because of this leader in my life. You know, that's what kind of legacy are you leaving when, when you're gone from this school? What are people, what are the stories people are going to tell? Is it going to be what a, what a, what a legacy, what a, 
what a way she inspired, what a way he made me feel that I could be more than I was before. Or yes, she held me accountable. Yes, our data was better. Our scores went up. Those things are important too. Those things are important. But I think if you approach it from that life-giving, growing, caring about the person and their growth, you'll see the other part happen as well. Meredith Akers, it's been so fun talking to you. And I'm so excited for the Meredith Akers podcast <laughs> to maybe make a debut. Listeners out there, get ready for hopefully another podcast on the airwaves because Meredith, you have some things to say. You you have some things to say. And I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna coach you up and we're gonna get that podcast out there. But uh, my friend, thank you. It's so great to talk to you. Thank you to all the people that recommended you on on that one little tweet that I sent out, people were like, Meredith, Meredith, Meredith. And I, I, thankfully I had no choice. And thankfully I know you, it was a quick, easy one to set up, but uh, everyone listening, thank you so much for all you do. Keep crushing it for kids, keep crushing it for teachers and have an amazing day.